Hi, and welcome to Driving Test Tales. I am Terry from the future, just dropping in before the show to give you a quick note that I did have to take some time away from the show. And while I was off, I had to think about the format and which way I wanted to take Driving Test Tales. And I've just restructured it a little bit. So whereas I started off doing it in seasons, it is now just going to be an ongoing series of episodes. It'll be more fluid, won't necessarily be every fortnight. I'm aiming to get at least one episode out a month. But that's why over the first six or seven episodes, you may see a slight discrepancy about me talking on the show, saying season two, when actually... There's no seeds now, it's just an ongoing thing. So thank you for choosing to listen, thank you for listening to this, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes going forward. Driving Test Tales with Terry Cook. Stories from real people on how they pass their driving test. Welcome to Driving Test Tales Season 2. And I'm delighted to be back, and I'm even more delighted that you have joined me again. Now, it's been a long time since season one, but it did get such a good reception, and I got such wonderful feedback from it that I decided to come back for another season and see how we go going forward. So I'm really pleased that you have joined me for season two. And speaking of season two, this episode, episode one, I'm joined by the amazing Sarah Hall. Now, Sarah is a stunt driver, a precision driver. She works in automotive media, and very soon she'll be opening up a very own driving school. And today, she tells us about how she overcame being in a crash just a few weeks before her driving test, and gives some wonderful advice for anyone with an upcoming test, as well as telling us some stories around, some tales even, around that so, yeah, it's great to be back. But before we dive into the episode, I'm just going to ask a couple of things of you. First of all, go and click subscribe. Wherever you're listening, click subscribe, because going forward, this show is going to be every two weeks. It'll be every second Friday. Click subscribe so it drops into your feed. Secondly, I'd like you to pay a visit to tcdrive.co.uk. Over there, you can find all of my podcasts, so not just this Driving Test Tales one. You can find the 5-Minute Theory podcast that I do as well. You find the back catalogue of all the shows and go and dive into all that goodness over there. As well as that, you will also find the guest profiles that I'll put up where you can find links to, to, to all the guests, including today's Sarah Hall. So, speaking of Sarah, we may as well make a start. So welcome to Driving Test Tales Series 2, and I'm delighted to be joined by the first guest of this series, which is the magnificent Sarah Hall. How are we doing, Sarah? I'm brilliant, thank you. How are you? All the better for seeing and hearing your smiley face. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on because I think you're going to be fantastic for this episode, and I'm not going to tell people why, because I'm going to start off by saying, just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do. Okay, it's probably a long answer, so I'll, <laughs> I'll just make a start where I feel is necessary. Yep. <laughs> um, so I've been involved with the automotive industry and motorsport as well for really all of my life. So my family has a background in racing and motorsport, so I guess I've always had that interest and passion there anyway for cars. And then I got my first job in the automotive trades working in a motor factor, so selling parts and researching different parts of different cars, which was really, really interesting. Um, really, which probably grew my passion a little bit for them, just having that understanding. Um, so not a mechanic by any stretch, but I do like playing about with my own car and fixing bits and bobs. 
So that was always really interesting to me. And then I got the real bug for the driving side of it. So I passed my test when I was 17. It was just before my 18th, actually, which I was a bit grumpy about at the time. But you're just eager to pass, aren't you? Um, So that was an interesting one. But um, I was always quite proud of the achievement because I was unfortunately passenger in quite a nasty accident about three weeks before my test so to get back out straight away and keep practicing and studying for my test was quite a big deal for me at the time and obviously being 17 and eager to drive you just you've got that motivation to get there um and then yeah my, my career kind of took a few little twists and turns but it's always stayed within cars of some description so I moved into specialist driving, really. Um, so I'd, I'd gained quite a lot of experience in car, on track, doing practice and just building up my confidence in a car. And then I joined a stunt driving school where you would go for an experience day. And I joined there as an instructor, which was obviously mega exciting. Um, really great opportunity for me just to build my own skill really I was really learning on the job and learning a lot of different things so giving me a bit more experience of a bit of rear wheel drive bit of front wheel drive and obviously in a controlled environment it's a lot of fun so and then I kind of went from there really so again the passion grew for specialist driving um, and then yeah went into various different things after that so I've kind of navigated into media um got a real passion for photography mainly motorsport as you might guess <laughs> along yeah. the way um and that's that's a lovely really lovely job to have because you're lucky I guess you get to see all of the action and be involved in it all um and meet some fantastic people and it opens lots of different doors it's it's a really interesting thing to be involved with um and then from there the driving side of it has progressed um to the point where I've done a little bit more stunt driving and precision work for various um, projects and also I've kind of moved the driving side of it into training as well so I work for various car manufacturers doing different events and training for them new cars um, performance driving eco driving sometimes just trying to get people to drive safer which is the biggest <laughs> challenge um, and uh, and yeah kind of looking at different avenues from this point cool um yeah i'm probably going to come back and touch on some of that stuff at the end of the show but that's really interesting i think the thing for me there's i mean maybe a slight bit of intimidation now because it's not often i speak to someone that's that much more qualified than me so you know learn a master roles or reverse day slightly but i want to dive straight into sort of your lessons and your driving tests and, and i hope you don't mind me asking about this but you mentioned you was a passenger in a crash how did you find that because i've I work personally with a lot of students that suffer with anxiety and so forth. Some of that has, has come about from they've been in accidents. They've really struggled to, to come back. And I think you said that was like three weeks before your test. How did you find coming back from that? It was very challenging, as you'd imagine. Um, it was it was a very bizarre experience um, because you just never assume, you just never, you never ever leave the house thinking that that's going to happen. Um, And it was an unfortunate circumstance that wasn't our fault. And I was unfortunately passenger. So completely out of my control at the time. I don't think 
it really hit me till a little while after, to be honest. Um, obviously, there's that initial shock and, you know, you go through that moment. I had a couple of minor injuries, really. Um, so you kind of feel the effects after that. And I think you're that wrapped up in, well, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the fact that you've lost the car, it was my boyfriend's car at the time, we'd lost, he lost his pride and joy. Um, I couldn't drive yet, so that was our independence, being able to drive his car or him driving his car um, and taking us where we needed to be. So it was the loss of the car was a big deal because, I mean, you can imagine, you know, he was 18, he'd saved up his little pride and joy and and that, that was gone. And it was an unfortunate circumstance that it was almost a hit and run situation. So basically we didn't have anybody to claim insurance from it was that disappeared so it was just all left down to us so it was quite an intense scenario um but I think my dad was always very supportive obviously of me driving he he's a racer himself and I'll go into that later on <laughs> um but he so he was obviously very supportive of me getting back in the car um as soon as possible I think I'm I'm glad so he he used to be an instructor way back in the day um and so he taught me to drive and he yeah basically just said you need to get straight back in because if you sit and dwell on what's happened and you've got too much time to think about it you're going to start with the nervous and the anxiety and it's going to kind of overrule things I mean yeah you've got to absorb what's happened and think about it and reflect and learn from it as well um but ideally just get straight back in and yeah. overcome that and I, because I only had sort of three weeks um yeah I didn't have any time to even <laughs> think about it it was straight straight back into lessons and get that test passed um and you mentioned there was your dad that taught you did you say he was an instructor yeah so my dad um he was a training instructor um way back in well it must have been the 90s because it was when I was small but that's giving my age away a little bit <laughs> <Yep>. um, <laughs> but um yeah so he I always remember him coming home and he worked for a, a company he wasn't an independent and I remember being small and watching for him out the window I mean me and my mum would guess what colour car he was bringing home right. <laughs> um, which learner car he was bringing home and so that was quite sweet um so yeah I always remember that and he ended up taking a bit of a different career change in the end um but he really enjoyed it and he he had an excellent pass rate as a trainee instructor. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, did you have any lessons of any other instructors or just your dad? Um, just before my test, I did a few lessons with an instructor because it had been so long since my dad had taught professionally. Right. Um, we wanted to just ensure that every every bit of the highway code, if there's anything that had been changed or updated, that I was I was prepared for that and knew the the up-to-date information so took a few lessons i mean the reason i asked that is um i think most people who are taught by an instructor all their parents so i'm yeah. intrigued to know what, what it's like and because you've got someone to compare it to if you've had a lesson of a different instructor as well but what's it like being taught by your dad who is also a, a driving instructor nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> i love my dad we're, we're, we're very close however we're very similar and there lies the problem. So <laughs> we're both stumping. Um, no, we had we had some some really good laughs with it, but I do remember there's a different dynamic when it's your family. Um, so for me, 
I probably didn't have the um, patience is probably the wrong word. Tolerance, if as if it was somebody else I didn't know teaching me, um, and he probably didn't have the patience. That, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he didn't. I was just terrible at the time. Um, I remember us having a few little barneys in the car about certain things. I think one day I pulled out onto the wrong side of the road and he shouted at me, so I got out and walked off. That was good. <laughs> Don't do that. Do not do that, people. That's horrendous. I've had that once. Um, that was interesting. Let's say it that way. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. If I was in that scenario with a, a independent instructor, there's absolutely no way that I would have got so strappy. And well, there's no way that they would have shouted at me. Do you know what I mean? It's that. Yeah. This is where the dynamic. It's brilliant because don't get me wrong. I must have saved as a fortune in lessons, yeah. and he's a brilliant. Like he's passed lots and lots of people. And he's a fantastic instructor, but. When it's your family, you just you, you fight and you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, I know with my uh, steps on his seventeen next year, and he wants me to teach him for free, and I basically refused. I says you can go for less of another instructor when you've had 20, 30 hours or whatever. I will happily take you out. Yeah. But if I try and teach you, you're going to think I'm trying to teach this stuff because I'm your stepdad. Yeah, you know? this is the problem, and it, it's very easy at the time when you're that sort of young age as well to. You've got a different mindset to, your, to to what you've got now, um, and yes, you might be mature enough to to drive. Um, but yeah, if you're learning with family, it's not always easy to understand at the time that you're not seeing it in the same way as you would if it was an external party, basically. Yeah. And regarding the learning to drive itself, how did you find that? Did you find that it come natural to you? Did you have anything that you particularly found struggles with, or? I don't feel like I found it the biggest challenge in the world, but maybe because I've had a bit of an input and I really wanted to drive, that that pushes you along a bit. But it was definitely stressful at times. I think that's natural when you're learning to do something new. Um, And because it seems at the time such a big deal, isn't it? It's It's a huge milestone and a huge achievement for a lot of people. Um, as it definitely was for me. So I think you, you put that pressure on yourself that you don't really need to do, yeah. but you can't help it. It just happens. So, yeah, there's definitely times when I was a bit stressful. Um, I remember quite early on struggling to be smooth with gears. I remember that was – it didn't take forever to learn that. It was just that that's something that stands out. And I think from from anyone's point of view, I think it's important that you remember – not to put the pressure on yourself yeah. relax you'll learn it it will come and it's not necessarily that you, you know you're not going to learn everything in one lesson and I think that's sometimes what you feel like as a student in anything really you kind of go into one lesson thinking I'm going to feel like I can drive by the end of it and that's not realistically how it is you've got to have those smaller goals to to just pick a way out and before you know it you, you're driving without thinking I love that you've said that. I use this example a lot, but I think of somewhere like learning an instrument like a piano. No one mm. expects to sit down for an hour and be able to play Beethoven. But oh, people have this this conception. You can sit in a car for an hour and you'll be on motorways by the end of it. It's, I, it's, I can't quite get my head around that, but I think I was the same at that age. So mm. maybe it's just uh, ingrained in society. But I kind of want to speak about your test a little bit as as well so you're driving tests so i think you said you passed first time can you remember much about your test can you remember what happened is anything that stood out for you all or 
what? I remember none of it. I right. feel like um, I feel like it was a trauma response that my brain's just creeped me out. Um, what I do remember is I remember going with my instructor um, that I took the last the last session of lessons with, um, and she was a, a female instructor. Um, and I remember going for the test in her car. I remember being beyond nervous to the point where you know you can hardly get the clutch right because your legs shake it's just so yep. nervous um I don't really remember much of the test I remember going sort of to the test station I remember driving off from my instructor and that in itself felt weird because I've only ever driven really with my dad or the instructor so yeah. for an examiner to be in, in the car was a little odd um because you're not used to that. You almost felt like you should be driving because you haven't got your instructor with you. Um, and I remember I remember them asking me if I could read the number plate um, at the necessary distance. And I remember suddenly thinking, oh, my God, what if I can't read? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I remember her asking me, sorry, him, the examiner asking me, um, to run through a couple of things in the engine bay, how would you check your water and stuff like that? And and you want to get the answer, but you you in that moment you're going, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Something else is going to come up. Well, it was fine. Um, and I just remember the relief when he said he passed because I genuinely had no idea pulling back into the test centre if I passed or not. I knew nothing horrendous had happened, which was a good sign. And I guess I'd probably been lucky as well that somebody else on the road at the time didn't do something daft that caused a reaction from me um but I I legit did not know if I'd passed fields how many minors I'd got or what um so the relief when they say you've passed and you cried I was like just just the relief left my body um yeah brilliant feeling to pass yeah it's interesting you talk about nerves because I always find it as an instructor I can never predict who's going to get those nerves and who's not. It's, it's very weird because I think back to my test, and I've, I've told this story on the show before. I was that nervous. I got in the wrong car on my test. I didn't know which it was, and there were two. I think they're identical. They're both black. Yeah. That's all I can remember at the time. <laughs> and I got in the wrong one. But those nerves, and like you said, you, when your left foot just starts shaking, and that's you don't need that when you try to balance the clutch. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Can you remember? I... Um always just tried to listen to the I know it's the old the old cheesy stuff but keep calm and I know that's easier said than done but you've just got to be in the mindset of look they're not out here to fail you they're not out to catch you out they're not out to you know trick you into anything it is simply a case they've got a checklist and they need to make sure that you can control the car safely that is really all they're there for um it is daunting and that probably doesn't help because you still feel the nerves. But a few deep breaths um, most of the time if you've got a good um, instructor and, and a good programme that you've gone through, then they're not going to put you through unless they think that you can do it. Um, so in theory, if you can keep the nerves down and just concentrate, breathe, relax, then you should be able to do it. Yeah. And again, you make some really good points there. I think that it's that simpleness. It, you know, it's all right saying keep calm. But like you said, take a breath, take a moment. When the examiner says drive on, they don't say drive on now. 
they say, you know, drive on, you can take that moment. And, yeah. and again, you make a good point about your instructor. So if, you, if your instructor is letting them use your car, they don't want you to crash up their car. So yeah. they won't let you use it. They didn't actually trust you to use it. So, um, yeah. And, and you mentioned as well, I find that interesting that you don't remember the test because I don't, any of mine, because I took a couple because I kept getting in the wrong car. But a lot of people don't. They go on this test and I've had people that have been on the test, they come back and they say that they didn't go anywhere where we practised. And I've been sat in back, I'm like, yeah, we've driven around there this morning. and But I think it's that thing, your brain just freezes, doesn't it, and shuts off and... Yeah, I think it's the adrenaline. It makes you just, in the moment, you know what you're doing. But afterwards, you're like, what just happened? Where where did I go? Where did I drive? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you passed first time, uh, and that's always awesome. So the next thing I want to ask you about is any advice or tips you might have for anyone. So this could be about your lessons. It could be about the test itself, or it could be about after the test when you're out driving by yourself at first time. Um, I guess it's lots different. I've- pieces of advice really that I can give and it depends on the person um, because people obviously deal with things differently and think about things differently Um, I think as far as learning goes you've just got to find someone you're comfortable with so if you don't feel right with your instructor I think it's sensible to move on to something else um, because you need to be able to progress and sometimes it's just people aren't a good fit there's nothing personal in it. It's just you gel with someone or you don't. Generally, as far as driving overall and the test, really, I know we've sort of covered it with the stay calm thing, but it, to reiterate really what you said about it's not that immediate response. So take your time. With most things in in regards to driving and your test anyway, you can take your time, like you say, it's, there's nothing worse than you're under pressure anyway. So feeling like your examiner sat there, you know, looking at the clock, thinking why why are they taking so long to park? Forget that. They don't really mind within reason how long you take. It's more that you're doing it safely because if you're going to start rushing, that's when you're going to make mistakes. And on to that part, point as well, I think people think you have to do each manoeuvre absolutely perfect every time and for stuff like parking if, if you're attempting a parking maneuver on your test if you think right I've got halfway around this is a bit skew if I'm not I'm not going to get in here again stay calm pop your handbrake on readjust yourself look around keep using your mirrors and try it again move, move off if you need to and try it again because they're not necessarily going to fail you for trying again because it's realistic well, you know, I've been driving for years. I still get it wrong sometimes. Sometimes you misjudge a gap and you think, you know what? I've got to move back a little bit more to the left here or, or you know, put, put a bit more steering on. So stuff like that, I think people just put a lot of pressure on themselves because they assume that the examiner's looking for 100% perfection on every single thing. And actually, they're just trying to see that you can control it safely. So providing your little error hasn't caused a hazard to anyone, you're not really going to feel the benefit. And I'd rather have a point off as a minor than really mess it up and get a major because obviously then the whole thing's to pop. Exactly. And again, really wise words. Now, I want to kind of endorse a couple of those in particular. The the, the change of the instructor thing, I think that's massive. Um, it's something I say to all my guys on the first lesson, you know, um, you don't have to stay with me. 
Mm. I won't take offence if I get a message from you after the lesson saying, Terry, I don't think you're right for me. I want to go elsewhere. In fact, I'd rather they did. You know, yeah. I've, I've actually done it to, to, to my learners a couple of times when I've told mm. them I don't think I'm the right instructor for you. And and do it. You're investing your money and time into someone. You know, you find someone that's right for you. Don't be scared to try a couple of instructors. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with it at all. And if you think about it, even from a financial aspect, you don't want to be with an instructor that's not right for you because over a long period of time you're going to struggle to get the progression that you want through learning the skill um whereas if you've got the right person with you in theory you should be able to pass a little bit quicker um by progressing 100 agree i think a little bit of investment at the start either by trying one or two instructors or by you know just finding out who's right for you will probably save you money in the long run so massively agree um I'm going to come on to my favourite part of the show now, which is where I get to ask you about your pet hates. So this oh. could be other drivers or just things to on the road. What what are your pet hates around driving? Right. This is so tricky because where on earth do you start? I'll be here <laughs> all night. Right. I'll throw this one out then. So people that are completely oblivious to what speed they're driving. Now, example is followed someone down a road and I'm in a 20 zone. It's 20 for a reason. Um, I know we're not angels 100% of the time, but we've got to try our best to stick to the appropriate speed. It's either built up or there's a school loss. There's a reason why it's 20. Um, Said car in front of me is flying at about 40, way over 30, and it's not even a 30, it's a 20 zone. So they're doing 40. We then build up down the road and that same car then enters a national speed limit. They're still doing 40. Yes. That drives me crackers because do you know what? Does it affect me directly? Not really usually. Yeah, okay, I might have to overtake them. Um, But it's frustrating because you can see the person has absolutely no awareness whatsoever of what's happening around them, of the fact that they are not only massively breaking the speed limit, they're then going massively under, which can be just as dangerous in certain situations. And it just makes me wonder what what else aren't they aware of? Yeah. So that's that's one that like makes me like pull faces out the window a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, the, the face you've just pulled, I do the same. Yeah. And and in specifically the example you just mentioned, because, and I'm not condoning this, but someone that does, for example, like you said, 40 in a 20 zone, I'm not condoning it, but I can understand it to a degree in that they just don't think that's the appropriate speed limit or whatever. Yeah. Someone that goes below the speed limit on a national speed limit road, again, I'm not condoning it, but I can maybe understand it, that makes them feel safe, whatever. Yeah. But someone that does both, like that. That's what baffles me. Yeah, yeah, it's an unusual mindset to have. Um, I mean, I know some 20 zones. There's one just outside my house. The road is long. It's really wide. There's absolutely no uh, speed bumps or anything like that. Traffic um, um, calming measures in place whatsoever. But it's a 20 zone because it's a residential area. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think it should have stayed 30. But the problem is the whole estate is 20, so it, you couldn't have one street in it 30. It just wouldn't yeah. work. So I understand where, you know, what people's thoughts are because you you can easily creep over 20 on that road without 
without realizing you're doing it. But yeah, some of the, I mean, my actual street is a 20 as well. And on an evening, it's got half of the street is, um, it's not tarmac. It's a very old material that's never been replaced. Right. And honestly, I feel like I'm on the M25 <laughs> because you can just hear this rumble. And that is the car at the other end of the street. And I can tell straight away, not exactly what speed it's doing, but it's definitely not doing 20 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, there's just a light flash past the house. You don't even know what car it was. It goes that fast. So it is frustrating because there's children playing on the street and stuff. And that's why it's 20 because it's trying to eliminate a bit of risk. But yeah, not everyone cares enough to realise (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always say that if you do the speed limit for long enough, someone will overtake you. you there's always going to be someone that catches oh, yeah. you up. That's it. And it's a lot of impatience as well. And I think that's a that's a big problem now in every aspect of life. We're very impatient as a, as a species because we've been now used to having everything. We've got the internet. Everything's on demand. Everything is just super, super quick and at our fingertips. And yeah. I think the attitude transfers to driving a lot of the time as well. People just want to get places and they're not really considering the risk that they put in other people and themselves in sometimes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, I think, but uh, the next thing I want to ask you is how has passing your test and becoming a driver benefited you? Massively, really, I guess, if you think about my career path. Yeah. Um, as a 17-year-old, it was a, such a confidence boost to be able to pass first time. I was, you know, really proud. It was a big turning point for me. And to come from a racing family, to pass my driving test was, for me, it felt like a big deal. You know, I was, you know, making everyone proud. And I'd, you know, um, and it's a rite of passage, isn't it, for a lot of people. Um, and then really, I guess, I can't ever imagine not learning to drive because for me it was just a non-option yeah um but yeah just at the time I'd never imagined ever that I've had some of the opportunities I've had to work on projects that I have involving driving so it's been integral really and it's shaped my career I mean, you're the opposite to me when I learned to drive because you had that enthusiasm to, to drive. I was the opposite. I never wanted to. I think I was about 20 when I learned, and I learned because I was working on the building sites at the time, and there's only so long you can carry your tools about on the bus. Um, yeah. And it, I didn't enjoy learning to drive the process at all, but once I'd passed, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I can literally do what I want when I want. This is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. That feeling is there. I think even when you when you've been wanting to pass for a long time or wanting to drive, you still get that feeling. And it's really odd. I remember the first time I drove on my own and it was the weirdest thing. I felt like I was breaking the law. Like it was the oddest feeling to be driving alone. Um, but yeah, it was, it was always a funny one. So I know I said, you know, I come from a racing family and I always enjoyed everything that that entailed. But I remember, I think I was probably about 12 and I'm, I'm fairly tall, so I could just about sort of reach pedals in a, in a comfortable manner. And my dad had a Vauxhall Nova van. So I bet most of the listeners don't know what even that is. So that was very old. We'll slide on by that. Um, and he had a Vauxhall Nova van for work. And we 
took it around a field because he really wanted to teach me how to drive. I didn't care. I wasn't interested. <laughs> I remember just not being that fussed. Um, and I think it's only when I got to the age where I actually could legally go out and learn to drive. And I kind of went, I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. I want to do this. <laughs> so as a kid, I wasn't all that moment, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's a big difference between uh, learning a, a, a Vauxhall Nova van and being a stunt driver and a precision driver. So the question I wanted to ask around that was: Can you tell me what is in what entails being a stunt a stunt car, say a stunt driver and a precision driver? So they're kind of one and the same, depending on what you what you're doing. But um, stunt driver sounds fancy, yeah, doesn't it? That sounds fun. Um, <laughs> so. In all honesty, it can it can vary massively depending on the project. So you could be called to do live event work, so demonstrations of vehicles driving seemingly out of control, but you're in control. Um, you could be called to do projects for filming. So obviously the dream would be to do, I've done a little bit of TV work, but I'd love to, to explore that more and, you know, the dream would be to, to work on a, a movie of some description would be unbelievable. Um, and the idea there is you've 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 got to be a consistent driver. That's the thing. It's not just about driving fast. It's about understanding the dynamics of the car. So weight transfer and, and things like that are really important. Um, and understanding a little bit of mechanics does help because you can then, you can drive better in a sense. Um, because you've got that understanding of, right, well, if I pull that handbrake at that speed, this is going to happen. But if I turn the wheel, this is going to happen. And it's just understanding a little bit of the physics of it. Um, and, and it's the consistency. So what you need if, you, if you're looking at filming stuff is you need to be able to do the same manoeuvre in the same place, in the same way every single time. Because quite often, I mean, you might mess up as you've got to shoot again, but quite often you've got, other people involved and they have to shoot it again and again to get that right correct shot so so yours has got to be consistent because you might you might find the director wants to cut one scene from another and if you're in a different position someone's going to go straight away well that car's in a different place yeah um so yeah it's just about that that consistency and that just comes with experience and practice really so that's kind of what precision driving entails um so just because you mentioned it then, I'm going to finish up with this question. If you could go back in time and be a stunt driver in any film, what film would you want to be a stunt driver in? Well, I would probably say Bond of some description, just because it's so cool, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> what else do you need? Yeah, it's super cool. Any of the movies... Suave Bond doing his thing, and actually, it's you driving it. I mean, how awesome would that be to say? But yeah, any sort of cool gangster or spy movie, would, I'd be quite happy with that. I think my brain went immediately to the original Italian job film. That, that yeah, would be good choice. Awesome. Yeah. Good choice. That's not that. Yeah, it's a good idea. That I quite, I quite like the idea of. Um, there's a couple of scenes in Snatch. Yeah, which is like my all-time fave um i can pretty much repeat the script like in my sleep it's a sad situation but i love that movie and i'd love to just be able to if i could be 
on a rally driving course in Tyrone in a Rover SD1. That would make Complete. <laughs> Done. Yep. Um, right. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today for this episode of Driving Test Tales. But before you disappear, uh, do you want us to tell us where people can find you, if there's anything you want to promote or, or whatnot? Yeah, so um, all of my sort of random car escapades can be found basically on every social. So Insta, uh, Facebook, TikTok, which is horrendous. But if somebody laughs at one video, I'll be happy with that. It's mother more embarrassing than anything else. There's one of me spinning out a Ford Focus from Focus Cup. That one's pretty funny. Um, and YouTube. So my name on all of those is Sarah Hall Motorsport. Um, and then if you do want to check out, there's going to be a new driving school opening soon, which is um, Teesside Driving Academy. And we're on Facebook. Awesome. Uh, I like that very much. And there'll be links for that in the show notes and on the website, which is tcdrive.co.uk. So I just want to take a moment to thank you for joining us. It's been a brilliant first episode for season two. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Driving Test Tales with Terry Cook. Stories from real people on how they pass their driving test.